Fulhamish is back for the season by Labrooks. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulhamish podcast, the independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. And well, tonight we are recording straight after Fulham's win against Exeter live from the living room as Fulham gets two wins in the space of just 48 hours at the Cottage over Burnley and then Exeter. Uh, and well, on the week that Fulhamish was crowned Kazakhstan's number one sports podcast, I have a lineup that the proud nation deserves. Great success, it's George Singer. Hello, hello. The Almaty, Drew Heatley. My wife. And a man who's about as politically correct as Borat. Don Betts. Hello, hello. Do you like that? The Almaty. I love that one. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. As a man who loves words, I'm, I'm pleased with that one. And a man who knows his geography, if you know exactly what Almaty is. Well, uh, we've got loads to react to tonight. Two games uh, to discuss, and also we'll be previewing Brighton as well. Uh, just to say that this season, Fulhamish is backed by Labrooks. For exclusive specials and promotions, head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. Now, we have two choice of games to do the three-word review from. We can either do tonight against Exeter or Sunday against Burnley. Now, uh, we're in a unique situation where the interest in the in the Exeter game as such is so low that we've barely got any three-word reviews yet for Exeter. So I think, Dom, maybe we should stick with Burnley. Yeah, we'll, we st- had, we'll stick with Burnley. How many, how many do we have for Burnley? 127, I think. Yeah, that, 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 so that works bit, out A bit better. more variety. Yeah, exactly. That got. works um, out better. The first one that popped out to me, we're going off Twitter today, is Christian Leedberg, FC Leedberg on Twitter, signed, shelled, delivered. <laughs> hey, it's coming home from Greg yeah, Park. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's that's that, that's that's all you need to know. And I think bold team selection actually, because everyone was really surprised when they saw the lineup. But it was actually really sort of worked seamlessly. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get onto it more when we talk about the game. Nice one. Well, thank you for your three word reviews and uh, make sure you get involved. I'm a little bit worried that it's the beginning of the end that we haven't had many three word reviews for X to yet. But I'm sure I'm sure it will pick up as the night goes on. It is literally 45 minutes after after the final whistle. Um, we'll do this in reverse order. We'll talk about Exeter first because it's literally the game that we've just seen. It's fresh in our minds and it seems a bit perverse to not talk about it first. Um, George, 11 changes tonight. Uh, debuts for, for Rico and for Mawson. What were your first impressions of them? Yeah, brand new team. Uh, good to see, um, good to see the new guys come in. Um, I thought Mawson in particular played really well. Um, I think he slotted on, slotted in really quickly, um, and you know, from the from minute one was kind of marshalling the marshalling the defence, telling Chambers where to go. And I think kind of of the of the two for me, I think he stood out pretty well. Um, Rico. I thought didn't have a huge amount to do, as to be expected against Exeter. I thought distribution kind of uh, was a little bit off. Um, a few of his passes out to the uh, to the fullbacks were slightly too far and went straight out. But I think in general, you know, didn't have a huge amount to do. And I think against you know a better opposition, he'll be tested uh, tested a lot more. Uh, two goals for Abubakar Kamara. Uh, the first was an emphatic finish. Uh, Shot by Christie, which really a, a top level goalkeeper should be palming that wide or anywhere out of danger. As such, he went it, he put it straight to Bubakar Kamara, who was basically by the penalty spot, but still was an emphatic finish. It was on the full volley, so uh, fair play to Abubakar, who has come a long way since his last Carabao Cup appearance. It was quite the banner evening for it, wasn't it? You kept, I kept drawing comparisons that night in my head watching him, and uh, you know, yeah, exactly. That keeper had a, a few of those the tonight where he couldn't seem to catch a cold, but yeah, credit to Kamara, he managed to put that away, and 
you wanted him to get the hat trick because he's he, he, it was his night tonight. He's very much he was just enjoying it. You could see we were stretching Exeter from minute one because we we're just so much fitter and faster than them. And and he does everything at a thousand miles an hour as well, anyway. But there was two finishes uh, the second one as well where he was close to the keeper. So he was he just seemed uh, a far more accomplished, and it just shows what good coaching can do. Um, the eleven changes were made by Slav, but Dom, it's still an incredibly strong eleven that Slav put out. For me, that's a that's a team that's still very much competing at the top level at the championship, and and might even do a job against a few uh, Premier League opponents this year. It's it's great to see the depth that we have, and that if we do make wholesale changes, that we still have a very very strong team on show. Yeah, I was actually quite surprised at. Sort of the, the alternative lineup he went for. I thought he might have gone for a more youngster orientated lineup mm. just to give him a bit more experience. I was actually hoping to see Matt O'Reilly play again tonight because if we compare obviously to the League Cup game last year against Bristol City, which was an absolute disgrace, Matt O'Reilly is one of the only shining lights in that game. But you talk about Kamara, and if you compare obviously his performance when he got sent off in that game to how he's how he played like tonight, it shows how much he's come on and he's not just this absolute battering up front, he's started to sort of culture his actual technical ability and he's he's starting he's starting to get goals and be influential because we saw in the Spurs game that yes he didn't offer anything defensively to help Joe Bryan out but a lot of the chances we created in the game would Kamara had a part to play in it so and I think it, the midfield was was obviously very very balanced I thought actually I thought I was quite surprised actually see Cissé sort of alive apart well, yeah, I was, apart, I was just, uh, apart from on Kamara's Instagram story I was surprised just to see him yeah but and then but I thought him and Grisa both played really really well I was quite surprised to who was going to sort of do what job because you see Anguisa is sort of holding the field but he has got the athleticism and physicality to drive forward and I thought Anguisa apart from when he missed it for about half a yard out from the free kick I don't know who took the free kick I'm not sure who. Uh, Johansson Johansson and he was obviously well saved by is it Pim the goalkeeper yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, and then and then You're testing um, my extra knowledge there, and, and then um, and then and yeah, and then you expect Angry to put it back in there, but he missed. But apart from that, I thought he had a very very solid game, and yeah, Christie he he played well, but I thought I don't think he's going to slot back in. I thought folks events has been better than in this season so far. So, but yeah, it was just like no, no one sort of was unimpressive. Although Rui Font just couldn't get that goal he needed, he just looks a striker devoid of confidence. But build up play wise, I thought he was fine. He was he was playing the likes of Cabana and Kamara very well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Font, obviously, his, his role is to help other people get into the game. Um, you know, uh, you know the long ball's up to him. He can bring them down and bring other people in play. So it's, uh, you know, he, he's not the kind of guy who, who writes the headlines himself. Um, for me, I think some of the central midfielders, I think especially with Dexter playing those two strikers and the attacking midfielder, um, Cito was under a fair bit of pressure. They pushed quite high. It definitely felt like they were targeting him, and a, a few times I think he struggled a bit. So, uh, well, it's from that tag. that Exeter's real main chance of the game came, and it, I think it was Cisse who who was dispossessed, and uh, the name of the Exeter player who hit the post escapes me. Uh, but then the rebound only just fell short uh, of the other Exeter attacker. Rico was kind of in no man's land, and. We were fortunate that didn't go 1-1 because at that point it might have just been a bit more of a hairy evening than than we were hoping for and it was in the end. It's a strange one. It's a bit of an anomaly because the whole sort of game felt had, had a sort of an, an aura of a training match, really. it was uh, We were so confident for the majority of the game that that, that sticks out, you know, as a bit of a bit of an anomaly. But uh, uh, yeah, Rico did... Uh, he was actually on the whole quite good. There was a moment though on 20 minutes where I was watching... Uh, 
listening to recent reports about the language barrier and things like that, I'm checking him out of corner and he's screaming for somebody to get in the back post and nobody can under, nobody, other people don't listen or they're not understanding him. And it took about 30 seconds for Christie to get on the back post and you're just sort of watching with an eagle eye, eagle eyes, just thinking, you know, what is, what is that, you know, is that a language thing? What's going on there with uh, everything that's been going on? I thought that Anguisa looked uh, very, very accomplished in the middle of the park. I, I was doing the tweets tonight for Fulhamish and I went as far as to say that I just thought, you know, I know it was Exeter, but he really did look imperious. And I was so impressed with him on on Sunday against Burnley when he came on. I know it was only 10, 15 minutes, but he really just added some solidity in that defensive midfield position. And you can't judge Anguisa on a couple of sub appearances and a start against Spurs but but the start has been impressive and that's been very reassuring considering how worrying some of the reports were coming out of Marseille I know that you say that some people are just basing him on his Europa League final stuff well, but they, these are Marseille fans who were you know pretty excited that they'd managed to get so much money for him yeah I think Marseille fans criticism of him was the, or, or surprise of the fee we're paying for him but I think if you look he's got a lot of potential he's only 22 23 years old he was a key cog in Rudy Garcia's system last year there's no shadow of a doubt about that I feel like he it's not obviously it's not the same as but I feel it's quite similar to Johansson at Fulham where he gets a lot of criticism where he actually doesn't actually play that bad yes Johansson's goals and assists sometimes sort of overmask his poor performances but Anguisa was a key cog in that system say how Johansson was a key cog in our system so I think it's a very very good signing for us we needed a definitely a more mobile holding midfielder yes McDonald hasn't put a foot wrong when he's played this season I'm not saying he has but he's not exactly the most mobile and if we're playing a big side there's no reason why we can't play a double pivot of McDonald and Anguisa with Anguisa a bit more fur forward because he's obviously more mobile and athletic and Seri being the most creative one with possibly Kenny not even playing and we saw obviously Kenny get injured on the weekend so that could even be a possibility going forward if he's not available like for the Brighton game uh, Cabana's injury looked a bit worrying went off on a stretcher I didn't re- he, he took a shot and it seemed like he got a, quite a rough block but I didn't expect it to be quite as serious as it was shame for, for Neeskins he seems to whenever his maybe career gets going again he maybe gets in, back into the team he always seems to pick up a slightly untimely unfortunate injury a bit similar to Floyd Ayute in that sense if it's an impact injury from taking the shot and getting that, that block then maybe uh, it's not going to be as bad as first feared if it's usually those innocuous ones off the ball that you're sort of terrified mm. about so maybe maybe he just needs uh, the magic sponge or the ice pack but it, uh, to be honest it didn't look that way it looked pretty bad and uh, Kamara was uh, was motioning quite quickly to get him off so uh, it's not what we need we're talking about having you know we've got a decent squad depth now compared to you know even a week or two before the transfer window closed but we still can't be doing with things like that to players like Cabano who are in and out and around the fringes of the team uh, George before we move on to Burnley at what point do we start getting excited about the Carabao Cup uh, it's it's a bit early for now what are we round two um, out of I don't know how many we've got a, a little way to go well, the, quarter, the quarterfinals I believe is round five because it's one round early in the FA Cup I think you can't take it seriously till you get to the quarters no and I think you we saw with for instance Bristol City last year getting you know really far and their, their league form really suffered so I think you know the, the Premier League has to be the priority perfectly happy playing our reserve team and like we said the reserve team's really good. We've we've got some really good players there. So, you know, assuming we get a favourable draw, I think we can get through. I think we can get quite far, but I think Premier League still be priority. Still got to be priority. Okay, let's move on to Burnley because on Sunday we've got our first Premier League three points of the season. Uh, it took three games to get there, but Dom, uh, I thought it was assured all over. I think that 
Defensively, there are a few question marks uh, and we'll move on to some of their goals. But ultimately, we've got our first win and it was important because I was a little bit worried that if we didn't get the result against Burnley, it was a difficult trip down to the Amex, an almost impossible trip up to the city of Manchester. And then suddenly you could be five games in and the pressure's it's, on. It's, it wasn't that, it was because... After this, we've obviously only got one home game next month, which is against Watford. And our next three away games are three really tough games. I mean, Brighton was the away game you'd look at the next three where we could need to possibly get something because, you know, we're not going to get anything at City. And I've been to Everton too many times and seen us lose. So I think it was important to get something. But we looked, it didn't really look like we, it was like a step up from what we were playing last season. It just looked like it was sort of a seamless transition. Yes, you can argue Burnley were played in Europa League, but half the players who played in Europa League weren't playing in the Premier League it's been like that all season for Sean Dyche so I think yeah it was very common obviously we're 25 shots we, we we need to be more clinical I mean it's I'm not being criticized not criticizing the side it was a great great performance by the team but it, when you're playing better sides as we saw against Spurs and as we saw against Palace it just need to take a chance but we were yeah we were scintillating as you said defensively wise it's, you need to be worrying when they have two shots on target and score two goals but yeah it was a great performance and it's, it seems everything's sort of starting to finally click I mean Mitra's now scored more goals than Newcastle United altogether so I mean joint top goal scorer in the league you know it, it felt like us last season but on steroids it felt like this natural sort of elevation almost uh, and some of the stuff that we were playing going forward was just breathtaking to watch I I, on the first game of the season, I missed it sadly. But my dad texts uh, text me and he says, "Oh, you know, some of the some of the football we played in the first twenty minutes was so good it made me want to cry." And I was like, "It's a bit odd, but okay." And then I'm watching us against Burnley. I think, "Oh God, it's bloody brilliant!" Like, it's tears of joy, like of just such such lovely stuff in places. So I, you know, I can kind of see what the old man meant there. Um, John McElserry, what a goal! I'm gutted. I was in the concourse at the time. Um, yeah, well, I think I just I think I just gone through the turnstile because because I was playing a game of darts and you have to finish the game of darts. You can't just <laughs> Like leave it. No, absolutely not. I mean, and I mean, I think what my after Burnley, my goal record is now. I've been seven goals this season, three games in. Yes, impressive. Yeah, weirdly impressive. Yeah, like it shouldn't be impressive, but it, <laughs> it kind of is. Um, but yeah, George John McElserry, he's really announced himself. Uh, if, we always knew that he'd announced himself, but to everyone else in the Premier League, I think he's just gone. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we've got a hell of a player. Yeah, I mean, what what more can we say about him? The the finish was was wonderful. From uh, you know, all all he needed was a yard of space, and he found the top corner perfectly. Um, I thought it capped off a really solid performance from him. Um, I think every time I've I've seen him so far, he's looked so comfortable on the ball, um, bringing bringing people around him into the game. You know, in defence, um, you know, he's he's not necessarily known for his defensive output, but I think he's he's really kind of got stuck in there. So. You know, he, he kind of plays that that all rounder role really well and just adds adds so much to all the different bits of our team. So so yeah, you know, a, a lot of money spent on the guy, but um hit the ground running and definitely looks like a, a really great signing. Five changes, Drew, that we made for the Burnley game. It's nice to see Slav Bingo um alive and well. In full force. Because, you know, towards the end of last season it got a bit bo- boring, didn't it? The it, just, it was just it was just who's been played right wing was basically the bingo yeah, of last yeah, season. Yeah. He got he got to one position, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but not uh, so five changes. Uh, I think the one that caused the most debate, certainly uh, on Fulhamish's social media, um, which has been a bit chirpy in the last few weeks, hasn't <laughs> it? Um, was Marcus Bettinelli? 
Absolutely. He posted his customary Instagram the night before and gave us a forewarning that he might be starting. But also uh, Dennis Adoy came back into the side, as did Kevin McDonald. He went kind of back to the tried and trusted in a, in a certain way. Mm. Um, went back to a few of the names that we know from the championship from, from last season. And, well, it worked. I thought all three were were fairly solid. Yeah, I think that was always going to come anyway. He's obviously still trying to find out what works best for for him this season. So I think uh, you know, second home game after we we didn't beat Palace, uh, I thought uh, you might try and sort of call on his tried and tested. Um, you know, Betts was at his uh, chest thumping best at the final whistle. He didn't have uh, what he did do. He did well. Uh, people sort of blaming him for the first goal. I kind of, I kind of think it might be a little bit harsh. Um, but uh, yeah, bringing bringing in uh, K Mac is always a welcome uh, addition for me. And Adoy didn't seem out of his depth at this level, uh, really, to be honest at all. So it, yeah, didn't didn't uh, it all paid off quite well for him, obviously. My theory, a little bit, George, with bringing back some of the championship faces is maybe something you're going to disagree with. But Burnley, to me play like a very good championship side in the way they play it's a style that we came up against time and time again in the second tier now obviously Burnley are much better than any team that we faced last year in the second tier but you know you've got a big striker up front you've got pacey wingers uh, and it's two banks of four uh, and they're going to go direct so for me it seems sensible to go to a core of a team that knows how to play those kind of teams. When you've got Kevin McDonald, Dennis Adoy, Marcus Bettinelli, it seemed for me that actually Slav was using his squad to match the opponents. I don't know if there's some sense in that, though. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, the the time the Bettinelli and Adoy and the rest of the, the back four have, have spent playing together last season is definitely going to help, especially against the big forwards of Chris Wood, who was always going to be a, you know, a challenge to, uh, to keep quiet. Um, you know, I thought we, we did pretty well. Like we said, we kind of limited them to only a handful of chances. I mean, yeah, they scored from them, but that's, that's Burnley. They're, they're clinical. Um, so I think in, in defense, we played the right way with, you know, uh, a solid side who knew each other, um, you know, got that good communication between them and, and could keep the, uh, the forwards quiet. I thought in attack, I thought for one of the first times we saw, I'm not quite going to say a slab plan B, but it's like a plan A I or something like that. A little tweak <laughs> to the plan A. Um, An addendum. Yeah, something something like that with a, rather than like a, a 4-3-3, more of a kind of 4-3-2-1 with Scherler and Vieto kind of moving more centrally and, you know, packing the midfield because I think... Burnley were always going to pay that play that kind of compact, you know, four four two, and we need the the quality players who can get around them, you know, really comfortable on the ball and can break those lines because otherwise, you know, that's that's where that's where Burnley do do their job is kind of strangling other people's attacks. Uh, Dom, talk us through Burnley's first goal. You, were you there for that one? Yes, that was one of the two goals I saw. Actually. Okay, well, it was a few worrying moments given away by Lamarchon, and then. Bettinelli and Adoy sold a little bit easy by Hendrick, although I still believe it was a bit of a fortunate ricochet to go back to Jeff Hendrick in literally the perfect spot for him. Yeah, you can, you can look at it that way, but I'm just saying if Fabi makes that mistake, there's going to be absolute outcry from the Fulham fan base. Yeah. There is. Like, for me, Bettinelli didn't play any any better than Fabri has all season. 
But it, I think what helps is Bettinelli obviously speaks English, which always does help. But I mean, it, it, I think his his command of his God's pop, language, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only language there is. Um, the um, but no, one of the main things is Bettinelli obviously is command of the box. The players on the players understand who's playing with the likes of Adoy, who sort of knows how Bettinelli is, and I think that that really helped. So. I think it's just luck and a bit of poor defending, but because I thought Lamarshall had quite a poor game as opposed to what he did against Spurs, I thought he was our best player against Spurs. But yeah, no, I, just, I think it was just a generic Burnley goal. If I'm being perfectly honest, they don't exactly score beautiful goals, but again, I mean, it's just it's just annoying that every time Burnley went forward, which was twice, they looked like they were going to score. But I did, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think you can put a huge blame defensively. I think you make a good point that it was just sort of a lucky ricochet. But Benelli, I think, does go down too early. I think there's a concentration thing there as well. Be both Burnley goals came within a few minutes of us going scoring a goal, and I think uh, yeah, obviously you're only at, you're at your most vulnerable once you scored, uh, and you know that's that's a cliche because it's true. And it, it, you know, I think the, the scoreline overall just perfectly encapsulated where we are at the moment with this with the first eleven that we that we're, the combinations that we're trying. We're devastating going forward, but we still got those frailties at the back but hopefully we can fix some of the frailties at the back but what you need in the first instance is some attacking potency and that is harder to kind of teach and eradicate you it's harder to kind of develop i that. think with the defensive frailties i think it's due to none of them have played together before that i think that's something it's not necessarily been overlooked but it's something it's not been stated the importance of because we've had over last year our, our, we knew what our back four was going to be especially from january onwards you knew it'd be target on the left fredericks on the right and in the middle you've had you have reaman and most likely dennis adoy yeah and i think with because we we've brought so many sort of additions in they haven't had time to work together i think once we have our established back four which i think we will i think it's going to be better i would presume it's going to be better early in goal which you'd I, mean, I reckon till October, probably October, November, maybe, and then Rico once he's learnt a bit of uh, how to communicate, yeah, he's gonna. He, um, be yeah, no, it won't be Fabri because Hosis and Bad has left, so mm. that's Fabri's film career over. And then you think Lamarchon, Mawson, yeah, Lamarchon, Mawson, um, Timothy Fosu-Mensa, and then Joe Bryan on the left, and then maybe you could potentially swap Lamarchon for Tim Ream depending, yeah, I, on, I, depending on which way Slav wants to go yeah I don't think it, you, I think Tim Ream must be given a chance he was, like, he was our player of the season last year by an absolute country mile so I don't think but I, what I see of Lamarchon is he looks very there's no reason to drop him mm-hmm. um, let's move on to Fulham's two goals uh, late on in the first half which kind of turned the screw turned the game in our direction and at that point I was a little bit worried because when we went one up I was thinking okay well, actually we could be in for quite a comfortable afternoon when it went to 1-1 I was like okay but then Burnley you know were growing into the match and I was getting worried and it was a really key point for Fulham uh, to get the goal came from a corner suddenly we've become quite good at corners that's <laughs> that's happened out of nowhere lovely training ground move uh, Kearney with a dink a golf chip to to the back post hearts sprawled all, all over the place and, and Mitro just nods it in and and suddenly kind of the momentum was back with us lovely yeah I think it was really good to see and I think um you know, set pieces for so long as being both in attack and defence, a real weakness of ours. Um, I think, you know, the the longer we've had Slav in charge, our, our defensive set pieces have, have got slowly better. Um, but in attack, you know, we saw with England at the World Cup, having a good attacking set piece makes a huge difference. It can, it can buy you goals out of nowhere. And that's where it's great to see, you know, they've clearly spent some time on the training field to write that one up. And, and hopefully there's, there's more to come in the rest of the season. I mean, you speak about England being good set pieces. I mean, it's, you talk about attacking partnerships. I mean, Colombo just had Juan Quintero and Jerry Mina. 
I mean, that was their attacking partnership. Juan Quintero whipping in the ball, who actually was obviously surprising because he had, a, he's had an awful two years since he joined Porto. But yeah, it shows that attacking attacking set pieces are very important because a lot of teams now just play it short to retain possession, which we did a lot last season. But if you if you've got if you've got different routines you can try out, it's a, it's a massive weapon you can use. Could Alfie Mawson be our slaphead? <laughs> well, I mean, he, he has got a good goal-scoring record relatively for a centre-back. Yeah, he does. I mean, there was that one goal he scored for Wickham, which was an absolute screamer. Yeah. Where he scores from about 20 yards. We well, also 20. scored a lovely volley for Swansea last season, I yeah. seem to remember. So I think he's, 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 he's definitely a, a, a tool we need to utilise, especially from set-pieces, because we're not going to... Yes, we're not going to have 60, 70% possession in every game, like we saw against Spurs. So the, the set-pieces we do get, we need to make sure we take advantage of. Last season, we got a bit frustrated that Fulham didn't make more of the counter-attack, especially in the, at the start of, uh, of the year. Now, the third goal was a beautiful counter-attacking move. There was some Burnley pressure. Uh, we worked it from one end of the pitch to the other. Vieto, a key part of that. The man's got pace. Severe pace. Um, it actually went to Vieto and his pass that he tried to find for Mitrovic uh, got cut out. But as is so often with football, the, the second wave of attack is often so, so deadly. Um, Tarkowski, I believe, caught napping. It might have been Ben Me actually. can't remember. Um, but Mitrovic with a beautiful run, but just brilliant from Vieto to, to play that ball to find him. I, thought, I just thought it was my favourite goal of the game. Well, yeah, I think it's just because Joe Hart's in absolute no man's land, which is... I mean, it's a very common sight in football, but I mean, yeah, the ball from Luciano Vieto is it's just it's, it's just perfect, perfect ball. And yeah, when we signed Luciano Vieto on loan, it was sort of like okay, it sort of came out of nowhere. Mm. Yeah, and then when he thought, obviously, he had the phenomenal season he had at Villarreal three seasons ago now, I believe, and then he's had two relatively poor seasons at Leco while going out on loan. But Vieto's a very, very good player going forward, and he's a very in- he's basically a good Rui Font is the be- is the way to put it. Like he's a very intelligent striker. But the system we were playing, as you said, it's more of a four three two one. What it's, I don't want to compare it to it, but it's in a way basically when when United had Tevez, Rooney, and Ronaldo, they basically had three forwards up front, but they could all interchange and everything like that. And I think mm. that's what we have in Vieto. Um, Mitrovic and Sherlo and I think Sessna is going to find it very very hard to get back into the team well have you seen we've seen already that everything's up for grabs at the moment you know we're making three, four, five, eleven 11 changes every game so to mark your first start with two assists and a display like Vieto had like he's shown his pedigree he's shown his quality it's going to be really interesting to see who settles in in that front three I mean okay we'll come on to it um the player ratings um, <laughs> the elephant it, in the room it, it created a little bit of controversy and and Vieto's rating, I think, was 6.2 when we put it up over the weekend. Uh, since the backlash online, as if we made these player ratings, we're just facilitators here. But anyway, I won't go into that. Um, it's since gone up to about 6.9. Still low, that, for me. But it is low. But there was one person in the hammy end who made a comment saying, I think this is just Rui Fontney stuck a number one in front of his number. And I was like, can you not see the difference in quality here between... No, no, this isn't really a slight on Rui Font, but this is an incredible player. He's not just got pace. The intelligence, the football brain, I thought he added so much to Fulham's game and against a tired Burnley was the perfect foil. And I think uh, that intelligence from Vieto is seen across the, the side now. Players like Seri, who you mentioned earlier, just needed a yard for that goal. He he always gets that yard. We've got that intelligence throughout the side now. And then you've got the guile of Mitrovic up front, who's adding more clinical finishing to his game. I just... Just Why haven't me. some of those seen the quality that Vieto added on Sunday? That's what I. Not English. 
Oh, come on. No, no. Who, it is the, right. If if that was if Cessnon played the exact same game, exact same balls that Vieto did in that game, he'd get on the player ratings nine point nine point two. I think the more we see of Vieto, the more people will appreciate. Yeah, I, think I think it's been a very. Do you think it's a lack of familiarity? So I think it is. Yeah. I think if, I mean player ratings are basically who's your favourite player, give him a ten. I mean that's that's literally how it was. It's like how Fulham's official man of match works. So if you score if you scored the most goals, you win you win you win the man of match award. I think there's something to be said for democratic ratings of players. If you can hold it up to the people like we did, we, we managed to do on the website and you can all vote and you can get an average score. But I think the idea of arbitrarily rating a player out of 10 is just a weird thing in football that we all do for some reason. I think if you just watch the game and you can take the pros and cons from each and every player and use a bit of analysis, that's probably always the better way to go. Having said that, I'm not a mood hoover. They are fun. But, you know, there's, it's just well, a bit yeah, weird. You're not analysing all 11 players at the same time for the 90 minutes. You can't <laughs> yeah. actually analyse them out of 10. You can probably analyse one or two players yeah. out of 10 for the game, like, properly. You can't be... I think that's why the player ratings are ridiculous. That's why the man the match thing's there, just so you can see who's been the best player. But, again, that doesn't work because it's just whoever scored the most goals because half people on the website haven't been to the game and just just seen on match day two. Um, let's go on to Tarkowski's goal. Uh, doesn't get enough hatred for my liking. He's ex-Brentford ex, ex man. He was a bit. He was quite niggly as well on Sunday. I didn't. I've not seen a huge amount of him, but yeah, he wound me up a little bit. So I'll be with you on that. Everyone one. was kind of focusing, I think, more on Joe Hart, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, Burnley's second goal again. It just came up. I mean, to be fair, I do love a centre back goal assisted by another centre back. There's something <laughs> quite beautiful about it. It's, oh, even though yeah. it's offside, I don't care. It's a centre back goal assisted by his fellow centre back. It's can't offside, beat it. but for me, it's it's, just it's, it's close. I, 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 there was a few messages in our WhatsApp group saying oh, he's miles offside. I'm like, that's that's hard for a linesman to spot. Yeah, yeah. you got to have daylight. Well, it's one way. One player's body's moving one way, and one's moving the other way. So if you look at it in in real time, then you wouldn't say it was offside. I think it's because there was such a severe lack of celebration why everyone was sort of so confused by it. But I I thought it was just. It wasn't bad defending in an extent. I mean, he was trying to catch him on your. On, Where's on the, the man side. at the post? It's um. So it's a good. It's a good set piece. The guy who's on the post, Burnley guy, ran back across, and Tarkovsky overlapped past him. So it's the the Fulham guy on the post got drawn back with the first run. So it's it's a good set piece move. It's it's what Burnley do. They're they're good at set pieces. They have runs crisscrossing over each other and. You confuse the defenders, and that's how you found the half yard of space which you needed. Um, second half, I thought that Fulham were pretty dominant for the whole thing. I don't really remember too many clear cut chances, although I really thought Dom at some point we were going to be made to we were going to be punished for you know, just I the did, lack of clinical edge. Sherlock was just not understanding contact of passing the football. I mean, every he was time. a bit greedy. He had eleven shots. He was, shots. but it's it's a little bit wonderful at the same time. I read a stat that today uh, he took. In those in those ninety minutes on Sunday, he took one point five percent of the whole Premier League shots uh, on his own, which is just there's there's a beauty to that. Also, it was it was it was just like when you're playing pro clubs and you beat one man, it's like now you got to have a ping. Yeah. It's just it's just setting up within thirty yards, like you have to have a shot. I mean, that one that hit the crossbar would have been a phenomenal effort, but to be fair, it's not like. Townsend against Liverpool where it's dipping in it is rising and hits crossbar but Sherlow was just and even his goal I was like why have you gone for the near post like what are you doing <laughs> just go for the far post well it's the one which he for me he gets played through and he's one on one with Joe Hart I think the ball's coming across the box from the left hand side and he hits Joe Hart's legs and I remember thinking at the time like Burnley are going to equalise in the 89th minute here 100% because you cannot really get away with missing this many chances. We did get away with it, but it's something that we've 
we've got to work on. And I think that Scherler, as fun as it was on Sunday, you know, if if it's games where we're getting few the chances are few and far between against one of the top six sides, need to be a little less greedy. I, th- I think so, yeah. But I don't think we shouldn't take the shine off his performance. It was still a, a, a good performance from yeah. him. Um, you know, he, he caused constant havoc there, kind of in the in the channels between the two banks of four. And they, to be honest, they didn't really know how to handle him. Uh, with Joe Bryan overlapping, who I thought, you know, also had a, had a pretty good game. Um, Sherla's barely played for the last two seasons. Give him, give him a few games, give him a run of games. He'll get his eye in. Um, and like we said, I think he'll start finding the back of the net on a... Uh, I loved how basis. much he loved his goal, though. Like, the celebrations, the hammy end, he really milked it. And, and I'm all for that. He seems like he's in a very happy place. He seems delighted to be at the club. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna fit in well I've already forgotten he's Chelsea uh, joke, yeah. jokes aside he, his charm of St. Fensive after the game as well completely got me you know he's talking about he's had some important moments in his career he's won the, he's won the bloody world cup and he said you know the goal, goal is important to him I, I do full hook line and sinker for all that nonsense so I, I'm already a big fan of uh, Sherlock I'm, just, I'm sure surely not him setting up the goal to win the world cup for his it's country what he said Dom <laughs> I just, take him on face value load of bollocks <laughs> is what it is so three Three games, three points, and we actually moved a place in the table on Monday Monday night because they got um, such a tonking from Spurs. And overall, we've got to be fairly happy with what we've seen. The results didn't quite go away for the first two games, and they very much could have. Mm. I still believe against Palace, take a few chances in the first half, get a penalty from Scherler. Also, Palace don't have Wilfred Zaha. They don't win that game. Yeah. I think it's a completely different game. Spurs, we missed chances at 1-1. So we've played well in three games. We've only won one of them. I think it's very, very encouraging. But we needed to get those points on the board. And that was the most important thing on Sunday. I was banging the drum for a while that, you know, we we beat Burnley. It's it's equivalent of a point a game. And you'd say that we'd had a great start if we were unbeaten after three. Obviously, now we've got the glory of a of a fantastic performance and three points at the cottage. So in, in many ways, it, it's better. And as you say, we've not disgraced ourselves in any of the outings we've had so far. The the big test now is obviously Brighton away, which is it is a game that we, we should be looking to get a point from if we want to sort of do stuff in this league. But it's, you know, every game now is like, it, it's funny because in the championship, every game we're working towards a goal and here every game we're doing the same thing, but it's everything seems a lot bigger. It's a bigger occasion every time. And now it's kind of like, I don't know, almost like a cup final. I don't want to use that term because I don't want to be little old Fulham, but every game just seems a lot bigger and it's going to be a massive one on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to get the get the first win out there because we've got some tough games coming up and, you know, it, it releases a bit of the pressure. You know, if you compare us to someone like West Ham who are, you know, three games, three losses, again, more tough games coming up. They're thinking, you know, where's our first win going to come from? Um, the pressure's building there. So, you know, it's, it's really important to get that first win, get the monkey off the back, uh, get the pressure off and then we can go go into these tougher games you know with with heads held high and and you know probably going for it yeah I think we, we, the, if we get something at Brian it, it leaves a lot of pressure off the Watford home game because we, we we're basically saying well we're going to get zero points from Everton and City so we need to be targeting that win against Watford and same as you said with West Ham if they beat Bournemouth in their second game of the season no one will be saying anything yeah no one will be saying anything because your first two away games being Liverpool and Arsenal, you're not expecting anything out of that. So I think, yeah, if we can get something bright and brilliant because it just alleviates yeah, the pressure off that Watford. Yes, we need to win that, but I think it'll be in a must-win if we don't if we lose this weekend. Um, right, well, we'll come on to Brighton in just a second. We're going to take a quick break, and we've also got some of your questions coming up too. 
Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon, and when I'm not winding up Reading fans, I'm listening to Fulhamish Podcast. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Drew Heatley. Hello. Don Betts. Hello, hello. And on his debut, kind of debut, George Singer. Yeah, the first full start, yeah. Yeah, you've kind of made a sub, you've made a sub appearance on the extra podcast, but yeah, first fully fledged appearance. The first start, yeah, absolutely. You will know George, uh, he writes Before the Whistle. Um, which is posted on the Fulhamish website uh, every game. He gets uh, lots of graphs uh, and stats, uh, and it's not just a- an opposition preview. It's a Fulhamish opposition preview. It's it's, it's very, very impressive. Yeah, Tony, I, Craig Klein would love it, is, is basically what it is. I reckon about. Craig Klein read it. He clued me up before uh, Burnley on uh, Sunday. Yeah. So make sure you read uh, George's preview before every game. There's one coming up for Brighton, I presume. Absolutely, yeah, in the next couple of days. Uh, and also make sure you check out uh, some of our YouTube content. We're nearly at 1,000 subscribers. I, we're not there and I'm, I'm still angry. I'm waking up every morning, checking my phone. Damn it, we're still not at 1,000. So if you don't subscribe to the YouTube channel yet, make sure you do. Uh, just type in, go to YouTube, type in Fulhamish, make sure you subscribe, turn your notifications on. Uh, and, and I'll be a, a happy man. Uh, there's a full-time reaction from Jack, Ben and Dom at the Old Suffolk Punch pub where they kind of gave their immediate post-match thoughts after Burnley. Uh, and there's also a fan cam uh, that Jack Kelly did after the game. We got some thoughts of fans outside the Old Suffolk Punch. Um, so yeah, make sure you check that out and there's going to be a Brighton preview, an opposition preview coming up on there uh, later this week. It won't be in the podcast, uh, the opposition fan interview, because bank holidays really mess up podcasts. They they do not do well uh, for my schedule. Also, uh, got to give a shout out uh, for the FPL League, because uh, we have an August manager of the month, uh, and his name, which I will find in two seconds, is the Edward Roby, whose team Craving Cottage Pie. Good name. Uh, is top by a considerable 11 points. Is anyone actually from the pod in the top bit? Farrell. Fazza. Farrell is in the top 10 with... Hello, of all people, it's Farrell. With, hello, what's your name? <laughs> um, That's probably the most Farrell fantasy football name. I've ever at least it wasn't, are you serious again? No, there's no serious in there. There's a few too many um, Liverpool ones for my liking. Get there's out. Two, there's one from called Potato Salah and, and Salah, please carry us. Yeah. So I don't know if a couple of Liverpool fans have entered our league, but I'm I'm glad to I see mean, that. I mean, the, I think the best one I saw this season was two goals, one schlup. I mean, nice. that, that is wonderful. I can confirm that uh, Mbappe Bouba Diop is in the top 600. Eagle Eye Seri is in the top 800. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't actually, I didn't actually enter this year because I kept forgetting to make my team. And, I saw, and I've left it three game weeks now, so I can't do it because you're too far behind. George, you're a bit of an FPL nerd, aren't you? I love it. I love it. I've got too much data and, and dashboards and stuff I take it I take it far too seriously yeah so I, think I'm, about, you, I think I'm about 100-ish in the league so are uh, you a bit upset not to be in the top 10 a little bit it's I'm hoping by the end of the season I want to I want to take the uh, the full crown not sprint in it mate absolutely well Edward absolutely. Edward Roby uh, as you are manager of the month you are the winner of our first prize uh, an August uh, don't laugh <laughs> what, what, what is it what is the prize Mr James it's a playoff final poster oh nice yeah okay, one fair. of the uh, playoff final posters uh, Edward Roby is coming your way free of charge uh, get in contact with the pod uh, drop us a DM uh, with your address and we'll get that posted out to you so congratulations Edward Roby and if you're manager of the month or if someone else is manager of the month in September uh, then there'll be Farrell's another prize make his way up <laughs> <Yeah. gonna> happen. <laughs> 
members of the pod are excluded from the prizes. <laughs> They'll get a beer from me if they're top of the league. Um, but yeah, there'll be a manager of the month award uh, for September coming up. Uh, so make sure you start doing well at fantasy football, basically. <laughs> Do better. I've had I've got no chance. I'm so terrible. Uh, I mean, a lot of people had a very bad weekend because obviously a lot, a lot of people like banged on Aguero. A lot of people had Stones. A lot of people had Sane. Nearly everyone had Richarlison, it seems. You get those funny weeks, don't yeah. you? Next mm. week, it will go to time. I, mean, not, I, was, I was at work on Saturday and the office was in absolute turmoil when Richarlison <laughs> got sent off. Yeah. It's not as bad as my second week where I had Vardy and Juan Bissaka. Two red cards. <laughs> Honestly, when Wambasaka got sent off, I very nearly threw my laptop at the TV. <laughs> I was fuming, absolutely fuming. Anyway, I like the fact I'm way more into FPL now following the Premier League. Oh yeah, and I always I'm, I fall into the trap of putting three Fulham players in all the time. You got you got to do it. You got to do it. Well, Mitrovic not, did not bits. Ob- yeah. You need to do it objectively and just think who's going to get the know, most points. I know. I mean, the only, I think the only Fulham player is probably worth putting in is Mitrovic. He's the only yeah. one I've got left now after I uh, wildcarded in week two, feeling ashamed of myself. Just like wildcarded just... in week two. Oh, it's not helped me, has it? But uh, oh, you be, have messed up. Trying to be a maverick. <laughs> If you're listening to this and you don't play FPL, you're probably finding our chat very, very boring. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to Brighton, which is on Saturday down at the Amex. Um, always a nice little uh, away trip. Uh, make sure if you're getting, going down by train, get your tickets to Haywards Heath, not to Brighton, because yeah. you only need it to Haywards Heath. Save yourself a penny. Yeah, goes as far north as Haywards Heath and as far, I think, east to Lewis. Yeah, you can go to Lewis. I don't know about west, maybe Hove or Shoreham. Yeah, it would have, it def- it would definitely go to Hove. But yeah, anyway, that's our little travel tips for getting to the Amex. Uh, It's a sellout and it's going to be difficult though. Brighton got 29 of their 40 points at the Amex last season. Beat some, you know, pretty big sides. I remember they got the scalp against Man United. They were mightily impressive at the Amex. Um, It's not a place that Fulham have had great history at. I think I was there when Lassa Vegan Christensen scored. Scored and we won, absolute screamer. 1-2-1. Uh, but we also got battered there 5-0. Thankfully I wasn't there for that. That was not a good afternoon. Five and also, losses in a row, I think, against them. Is it? Yeah. Okay, well, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a mm. tricky tie against Brighton on Saturday. But I still believe that Fulham can get at least a point out of it, George. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, they're, they're a solid team. Um they they play pretty simple football. It earned them a good result against Man United, which at the time looked great. But you know, with with United's recent results, maybe that's kind of to be expected these days. Um, a few kind of quality players. Glenn Murray still doing bits up front, even though he's kind of. 36, 37 now. Um, Pascal Gross, I'm assuming, is going to come back in. He got dropped against... Uh, assist, against Le- loves an assist. He does, he does. Um, on penalties as well. So uh, so got me some fancy points the other week, which is oh, good. Right. good. Um, but yeah, so, you know, some definite threats. Knockart is uh, another quality player as well. So def- definite threats there, but I don't think they're they're unbeatable. I think we've, we've got, a, you know, a, a solid team. Um, and you know, I think I think following a, a couple of wins ourselves, we should go in. We should go into the game confident. They've got a very stable defence, don't they, Drew? You know, you've got Duffy and Dunk at the back, and uh, Matt Ryan as well. They have the worst chant for him, by the way. It's like oh, Matt, the Socceroos. Was. Matt Ryan Socceroo. I mean, it actually makes me want to vomit. But anyway, uh, excluding that, solid defence will be difficult to break them down. Yeah, and it's a solid and settled defence. I mean, we we know a, a lot of those players from when Brighton were down in the league with us. So. They, they've got that sort of consistency there. We've got no right to to expect to do anything at the Amex, but I really do think if we, uh, I, I think we should uh, start the same team against uh, Brighton that we had against Burnley. I think. Do you really? I do. I think 
if you're gonna if you're gonna get a result like that, then let's uh, let's stick rather than twist. I think I might be on my own in that, but uh, I kind of the think. Any possible change I'd probably make would possibly bring in Angrisa, but mm. I mean I don't think Sessegnon should come in. Not yet, not right. yet. Because he hasn't he hasn't warranted a start. No one in no. no one in that front three did anything anywhere near making them should be dropped for for the next game as far as I can tell from Sunday. So and if you've got that winning feeling, it's it's. It's so important, even in, especially in this league, to keep that. Dom, is Anguissa the only change that you would... I'm not saying I would make it. I was just saying I could, I could see Slav making it. I don't think there's anything wrong with playing Ken McDonald, but I think away from home, you might want someone a bit more mobile and athletic because you can... Yes, Brian, I'm not saying, I'm not saying a possession-based side, but you're going to be playing a bit more in a counter-attack maybe, and I think someone more athletic, if you're making a counter-attack and runs, might be a good player to put in, but as far as I'm aware, I don't think Mawson will play. Well, that was my next question. Is it too soon for Mawson? Yeah, I think give him until um, City, because... I believe that's the first game off the international break, isn't it? Yes. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I think <laughs> what a baptism of a fire for the lad. No, but I just, I just think like if he gets another week, ten days of training under under his belt, then he it's only going to benefit him. I mean, he looked comfortable tonight against Exeter, but there's not really anything you can judge from it because you're playing a League Two side who just can't get promoted out of that league. I mean, they they, they, had, they were so unlucky in the pool there over the last few years. But yeah, I think I I wouldn't play him personally. I don't think anyone's really droppable. I don't know if I play Dennis Adoy because you're playing the likes of Glenn Murray I think would beat him personally so I would go back to Chambers just because of the height factor but mm-hmm. I don't think Dennis I, I actually said on the Love Dennis Sport Dennis does leap like a sound yeah I did I actually said on the Love Sport fan show last week I said I don't think Dennis Doyle is Premier League quality I, don't, I think he will be a good squad player Guy Barlow on the other sense so no I think he'll be good I think we should, he should get a chance in the Premier League and he showed that he's more than capable of playing to a level but I think Brighton are going to be a totally different kettle of fish to what Burnley were Burnley were knackered from you I mean Istanbul and Athens I mean he couldn't exactly get much further in any of those trips so yeah, but, but they had rested with a trip to Aberdeen in the first round. No, that is also true. They didn't do quite do Amka Perm or Dnipro, Dnipro <laughs> Petrovsk. So I mean, I, I, I would, I don't think Morsin will come in, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I'm not against the idea of him coming in. Mm. But I, mean, I just, I don't think there's really much change. Especially, I wouldn't change the front three, especially Vieto. I think will be even better away from home. In fact, because I think he'll find more space. Because they, I just, I, yeah, I just think the team doesn't need changing as we saw in the championship when we made changes where we actually sort of faltered. Yeah. I think both, you know, Brian also played that kind of four, four, one, one, um, you know, don't they play without the ball? They average kind of 40, 45% possession. So they're not a million miles away from Burnley, slightly different style of football, but you know, the front three with those kind of more tucks in fours work pretty well against Burnley. I see no reason why, why should change it against a similar looking team. Apart from Slav Bingo means that there has to be changes. Just Absolutely. Fallow will get recalled from line and will start a centre-back. <laughs> <laughs> I would love nothing less. Um, right, uh, let's do a couple of questions uh, before we finish today's pod. Um, you met Jack earlier and he handed you the post bag. Uh, yeah, he, we met, I met him down on Palace Road and he just handed it over. He was oh, okay. going towards Hamilton, but I was going towards Putney, you know. Yeah, it works out. The old switcheroo, as yeah, I yeah. say. Nice stuff. Um, the first one is from Weekly Geekly. She was like, what a game yesterday, talking about the Burnley game. Fulham officially back. Slab bingo strikes again, but fair play. Vieto was excellent. Not sure Bettinelli should have been back. Didn't control his box well. An awful distribution. Actually, so he wasn't just talking about you there. Uh, that's why I said Bettinelli and not Betts because his surname is Bettinelli and not Betts. So if you use his surname, it's really helpful. Uh, but still, Seri's absolutely different source or Bisto, as I like to say. Okay. But his actual question is: uh, with, right. with um with with Seri now running the show as fun as Metronome, does Kenny need to find a new role in the team? And where do you think this should be? I mean, I've mentioned this quite a few times actually since the start of the season. I think they are both trying to. T- 
they're not both trying to do the same job, but they are sort of within the same area of the pitch. One's on the right, one's on the left, and they seem to get caught up together too much. I thought it was a bit, bit better against Burnley, but I do think if you're going to pick one of them, you pick Seri. I don't care if Kenny's our captain. He's been our best player for the last oh, two you years. You can't drop Kenny. It, you, a... you, you're, you're telling me you, you, you can't drop him just because of sentimental value, what he's done over the last two years. I know. Seri yeah, has, cool. has been the better player over the season. And I think in bigger games, dropping Kenny and playing a double pivot of McDonald and Guisa wouldn't be a problem. But if you want to fit both of them in, I think the system is more of a 4 2 3 1. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think we we necessarily have to drop one of them. I think in the first half when we played well, Kenny played in that more attacking role, especially on the break. You know, he was the one driving it forward. You know, in that central attacking role and linking up with with Vieta and Scherler. I think in the second half, later on, got a bit tired. You know, that's when Seri and Kenny started playing a bit deeper with um, with McDonald, kind of tripping up over each other, and no one was really there linking the play. That's yeah, when you know you start playing the longer balls, and we we lose the you know our possession football. Which yeah, which I think the system we sort so of well. deployed in the season we lost in the playoffs semi final, which actually would suit this system more. I think Kenny in this midfield three just needs to be playing further more forward. He's just been in the first two games he was just playing too deep. So I don't think it's necessarily changing. I think it's just telling Kenny or giving Kenny less defensive responsibility. Well, yeah, and you saw though against Burnley, he was trying to make far more difficult passes. He was trying to open up the defence, trying to, you know, bring Vieto and Scherler into play more. Whereas in the Championship last season, we would see him, you know, rack up these in- insane passing statistics because basically all he was doing was marshalling in front of the defence uh, and and playing short passes and and get and bringing the play kind of forward that way but Kenny's to kind of go back to his old role this is the kind of way that Kenny was used under even Kit Simons where he was used at the tip of the diamond wasn't he and and maybe Kenny needs to find a little bit more uh, of that old attacking self that you know he clearly is capable of and we might see him actually contributing for more goals and assists this season if he does do that I was going to say I think you'll I think you'll see him sort of freer in terms of responsibility like it's funny to see the evolution of the team as obviously as we go up he's sort of lost he's not that fulcrum anymore that we have of our team where everything has to be sort of revolve around Tom Kearney he's no longer by head and shoulders above the rest of the team in terms of natural skill we've got players like Seri of course who are probably better than him so maybe yeah if we can find a way to to help him flourish in the Premier League in this new system and get some of that attacking uh, that attacking sort of stuff back into his game he might he might just have a the weight of the world off his shoulders uh, next question Dom oh uh, yeah next question is from Alan Rustad I probably absolutely butchered your surname there mate but that's what we'll go with um, despite an excellent start by Joe Bryan if Sessignon can't get a regular start up front could there be a case of him easing him to Prem by playing him at left back why does Brian keep being substituted fitness concerns? Well, he got substituted against Palace because he actually did pick up an injury. Can't speak for Spurs. I mean, Sessignon played tonight at left back against um, Exeter. Nearly forgot who he played tonight. It's been a while. Um, I actually, I do see some sense of it. If if Jokanovic doesn't fully trust Brian, I think he will go back to playing Sessignon and maybe that will ease him back into the team. I was chatting to someone uh, next to me um, at the at the game tonight who's saying, oh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with, with Cesc playing left-back because it denies his attacking outlet. And I said, actually, I feel the same thing, but not for the same reason. The reason I'm uncomfortable with Cesc at left-back is for his dis- defensive abilities, which I don't think were that great in the championship and certainly 
in the Premier League against the quality of winger he's going to be facing. I just don't think he's the, the level that's Especially necessary. Especially if we're playing this new 4-3-2-1 system because we all know Session likes making the inward runs. Yeah. That's what sort of, I think, been Brian's issue. Is he's made too many inverted runs inside where in a 4-3-2-1, you need to be bombing down the line to offer the width in the system. So I think it just it's, I think it's just a, a matter of us finding the best player for the system we want to play. Because, yes, we love Slav Binger, but he knows once he founds his system, he's going to stick with it. And I think it's just finding the best fullback for the situation because they can't be making these inward runs. We've got enough players in the midfield. We've got Kearney, we've got Sarah, we've got Angrisa, we've got McDonald, you've got Scherler and uh, Vieto running in the middle of the park. So I think it's just finding the best forward to sort of bomb down the wing because that's what we've been missing, really. Because, that, as I said, there's no point of the, if the fullback's making an inside run playing inside forwards. Yeah, I think the only potential advantage of it is, you know, obviously Sess has played up the first few games of the season and you can tell the opposition are targeting him. They're putting more people on him and, you know, his his strength comes in attacking positions, you know, finding being in the right place at the right time and he's struggling with loads of people around him. You know, maybe if he played left back and, you know, drafted in later with less people, you know, specifically marking him, it might free him up a bit more to kind of be that extra man in attack. I guess that's the only potential upside of, of putting him there. But then the press are going to continue their agenda, but he's a left back and we can't we can't be having that. You're only just getting out of that now. Yeah, you yeah. just started playing him at left oh, back I know. again. But they're, they're just going to get so confused. Yeah. But everybody said he wasn't. They're going to start calling him Niskins Cabano again. Okay. Uh, or, or you can just do, be like the uh, Doisberg same announcer who said Kamara scored when Cabano scored. I mean, I know he had... He had seven on his back, but I mean, one's an absolute brick shit house, and one's like <laughs> a sort of a small sort of dinky winger. I don't really know how you can get too confused. And at least, at least it wasn't one when Kamara just absolutely pinged it from outside the box for the second goal. Like if 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 it was that goal, he's like, oh, it's Kamara. Like, well, it's not. I mean, but yeah, I, th- I think I think Sess has got a part to play. But I think as we said, we've seen, no one's got the right just to walk into the team. I think the only player who really can do that is Mitrovic. Yeah, at the moment, he seems like the only undroppable well, also we one. we don't because... have another number nine. No. I mean, you would have to play Rui. Or the only thing I thought is, could Vieto maybe Timmy do a Abraham, job? Timmy Abraham, get him in. Get him in. Get him in. <laughs> Bring right back Woodrow. Now, by the way, one thing that we failed to mention tonight, no VAR. Gutted. I know. I thought we were going to get it for the Kamara foul. I was like, how is that not being used? Like, I... I, I, just for, I, I just wanted it for the signage from the ref and then the point. Yeah. Where was the little telly? It was so in the dugout. Call- yeah, you okay. could just see it. There was a little, there was a little monitor there, just um, just to the right of where Slav was. Well, okay. well to be fair, just because there's VR doesn't mean it's going to be any good. Because if you, if anyone watched the Bayern Munich game on Friday night, it was an mm. absolute disgrace. How Frank Ribery got got a penalty for that, or it was just like, it's just if you're, if you're going to use VR, how how can you get it wrong? It's just, oh, just yeah. It, I think to be People fair, are idiots, there, there, yeah, there have been, there's been so many issues with VR in the Bundesliga over the last, especially last season when Freiburg got a penalty when the players had really gone in for half time. Oh yeah. In all seriousness, I joke about it, but I'm quite glad that the mistakes are not being ironed out in the Premier League. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was going to about to say the same thing. I'm glad we don't have it in yeah. the Premier. The game's so, not gone it. yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all for the pod tonight. Um, it's been a bit of an immediate reaction after the Exeter game um, and you know two wins from two can't complain uh, Fulhamish will return next Monday with some reaction to the Brighton game and of course after that will be the international break um, but yeah oh we need to name the pod uh, Drew you're on the money I 
finest hour. Exterminated. It's quite hard to say. Hello, exterminated. Exterminated. Yeah, Dom's got it's it. Like, it's like Chelsea's goalkeeper, Kepa Rizabalaga. It's not hard to say at all. Give me neck, all right. <laughs> all right, mate. Yeah, just, I've been. A, it's just easy. I mean, just, just pronounce it how it's, how it's spelt, mate. It's not hard. <laughs> I just like that he's uh, keeper the keeper. What's Kepa? I know, but like <laughs> level nine doesn't reading work, doesn't, yeah. doesn't work with my joke so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, well, exterminated. Somebody's having real Ooh. struggles saying this. Oh, this is not exterminated. It looks better written down, so don't worry. Yeah. You'll see yeah. it on, you'll it see it on your screen. <laughs> when you, you sent it to me on the WhatsApp, I was like, that looks amazing. And then I tried to explain <laughs> it to Nate, who I was at the game with, and I was exterminated. Oh, for God's sake, I'm just going to show it to you on my phone. But okay, exterminated is the name of today's yes. podcast. So yeah, we'll return after Brighton. Uh, make sure you check out the Brighton preview uh, with Brighton Fan TV, I believe, which is coming later. Very original name. Yeah, I know. There, there are no fan TVs uh, before, so Brighton have really come up with an original one there. Um, to George Singer on his debut. Fantastic debut. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Drew Heatley, as ever, thank you. I'm going to bed. <laughs> and Radio <laughs> Bets, thank you. It's all right. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Laters. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much-needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 A-cast